I don't think that there's going to be a one size kind of fits all. I think it is about providing, you know, choice. It's going to be about providing flexibility and it's going to be about helping clients fill those skill gaps when they identify that they just need to focus on more higher value. Welcome to the CIO Exchange podcast, where we talk about what's working, what's not, and what's next. I'm Eating Porter de Leon. In this episode, I speak with Dale Altman, VP and GM of Infrastructure Solutions Group Services at Lenovo. Dale has almost 30 years of experience in IT strategy, execution, and leadership. She describes the importance of digital resiliency, the success of as-a-service models, and leveraging hybrid cloud for consistent operating models. In our discussion, we talk about ways in which CIOs can build digital resiliency through application changes, leveraging the cloud, and narrowing the IT skills gap. Dale, organizations right now are dealing with a lot of uncertainty. There's a need for resiliency. There's a need for optimization. There's a need for efficiency. And as always, doing more with less, but that's a constant thing that's always been on IT leaders' uh, minds. Right now, when it comes to resiliency, being able to be resilient whether that's from a multi-zone perspective, whether that's from a pivot or agility perspective, or whether that's from other use cases that are just not even known yet. And that's sort of the big theme too, is how do you plan? How do you plan for uncertainty? What do you think some of the risks are for organizations that ignore digital resiliency, you know, in the cloud and, and how they could potentially put themselves at risk if they're not focusing some of the main core parts of their strategy on that resiliency piece? Thanks, Yadine. Well, I think Recently, with the troubles in the airline industry here in the U.S., that's been a perfect example of what happens whenever you don't have resiliency. <laughs> yes. Um, you've seen multiple issues over the last few months <laughs> with that. So I think that that's been a perfect example about what can happen, how businesses can be impacted. Think about the domino effect with business travelers, with families not being able to get where they needed to go, with all the cost and expense that that added. Now, I think that companies learned a lot during the pandemic, but in the case of what we saw during the last few months, they went into cost control mode and put off some of that resiliency. That's fascinating because I think that that is a critical thing. And I want to make sure that I pull on that thread because when you have a situation in which you have potentially contraction in, in the market, whether you have looking at a down quarter or multiple down quarters, the tendency can be to let's get efficient from a cash flow and a cost perspective, rather than looking at it, there are supply chain issues. There are stresses on the system that are different than stresses that we've experienced in the past. So instead of saying, let's spend less money and let's run lean, let's say, let's shift potential dollars to things that are going to help us absorb shock in the system and absorb shock in our supply chain and absorb shock in market dynamics. And where are you seeing other companies that are maybe finding a little more success or how should companies look at where they should be making those investments and in sort of so they don't have a Southwest Airlines moment? Everything really goes around time, cost, and risk. But if you look at some of the models and some of what they have available to them now, the as-a-service models, what we're doing with TrueScale, but from a as-a-service model, whether it be cloud or on-prem, you can better align your cost to your needs and use it to help you become more agile. Make sure that you're focusing your capital, your investments in the place that it goes, or get it aligned just to your usage. 
rather than buying equipment that you won't use the capacity of in two or three years over provisioning. So I think that there's some interesting models from a cloud standpoint and from an as-a-service standpoint that can help clients try to help navigate where they need to go and where they need to make some of those transitions from a digitization standpoint. Dale, this is complex. This is not easy. You know, agility is easy to say, resiliency is easy to say, but these problems are entrenched and they're longstanding and they're complex. And so what are some of the biggest headwinds you're seeing with organizations who want to go down this path, but are seeing these major headwinds that they've experienced not only in the past, but also the new headwinds that they're seeing as far as challenges go to become more agile, to become more resilient? Yeah, so these things are really, really hard. If you want to take advantage of cloud, can your applications be migrated to cloud? There's a lot of legacy infrastructure out there. From, you know, even a cloud standpoint, what if you put something on a public cloud and all of a sudden your costs go up 2x? These are real things that we've seen in the industry. So I think one is, is looking at, you've got to look at it kind of, from where you're going to go. One is you're probably going to not get it 100% right the first time. So two, go at it from a hybrid approach. That's what we're seeing our clients do. They're looking at a hybrid approach. They're also looking at not just public cloud, but even multi-cloud. It's not a one-size-fits-all. The other element to that is look at it from a workload standpoint. You know, most customers learned a lot in what they could do in responding to the pandemic. They all of a sudden went from projects that would have normally taken them one to two years plus, and all of a sudden they got it done in six months or less. Um, Realizing it's possible. (laughs) Yes, realizing it is possible. At the same time, they found out that not everything is a one-size-fits-all, at least the clients that, that I'm working with. So a lot of clients are going to trying to align their cost with usage and be able to leverage, you know, as they do, digitization to be able to leverage the latest technology, but also put their workloads in the right place. So if you think about things from a workload standpoint, that's really the starting point as far as what are the needs for the different workloads. Some are going to work great in public cloud. Some of them are going to be more expensive in public cloud. So how do you then look at a hybrid option to give you the economics of paying as you go, of aligning your costs with your usage, and go into you know more of a hybrid model that allows you to take advantage of public cloud that provides cloud-like economics on site and that also removes the cost of buying equipment that you may not use or that's over-provisioned for a period of two to three years, also having to spend money on other things that are going to drive your core business and your core revenue. In what you just talked about, Dale, there's that three components of the cost and time and risk And the timepiece, I think, is that thing that you alluded to as being accelerated. And there's an expectation now that this can be done faster. But at the same time, there's very real cost that has already been put into, let's say, a particular hardware that's been over-provisioned. And there are certain companies that are like, well, let's wait till our data center lease runs out. And then we have a data center lease cliff. Then we can go into the cloud. Then we can do this. And from a cash flow perspective, that may be extremely necessary, but are companies missing a huge either opportunity or falling into a huge trap of let's wait for 
data center leases or other things to be able to be a forcing function for us to make changes, are they missing a huge opportunity or are they really increasing risk in a way that they're just not seeing? That is a really good question. There does become a prioritization that they have to do in their analysis. And while you may have a 10-year lease on a data center, that doesn't mean that you can't start somewhere. Your equipment that you have there may be old and aging. And rather than just doing a refresh of it like for like, look at the workloads that are on that equipment and does it make sense to go ahead and start migrating them to public cloud to looking at any application changes that need to be made in order to get you cloud ready or to take advantage of as you do your refresh to look at an as a service model so that you can have that on-prem piece. There isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all. Two clients I recently talked to, one of them was going to be 60% on public cloud by the end of the year. That's great. That's not 100%. They've still got workload that they have to manage. Thoughtful approach. We're not going all in. We're doing, you know, a phased approach and we're seeing like what kind of advantage we get with both of those on-prem, you know, and in cloud. I want to get to your second example too, but I want to just ask a pointed question because, I mean, some people say cloud is really an operational model. It's not a destination, but in certain cases, if you're going with a hyperscaler, for example, and you're saying, okay, we're going to deploy, we're going to migrate from this on premises environment to a hyperscaler, they've always had the constraint of the box. This box can only do so much. The IOPS are so, these are the speeds and feeds are, et cetera. There's a constraint that only allows you know, the operations team or your development team to do so much. When you now move to the cloud and you have elasticity, you have scalability, great. You've got agility. Fantastic. How do you stop developers from developing applications that then take advantage of all this fantastic scalability, expandability, and elasticity without then, like you alluded to previously, running up the costs. So I think it would be great in that first example, you said, hey, look, we're only going to go 60% in the, in the cloud. Is part of that decision because we only, only want 60% of cost exposure or potential cost risk to be de-risked because we don't want to go 100%. Let's go incrementally so that we can do that from a cost perspective or maybe... Was that more of a workload rationalization? What was that, that process looked like? And why do they do 60-40? Yeah, so with this client, they were going through a workload analysis and what they think that they can migrate over time. Now, I said 60% by the end of the year. They've still got nine plus months to do that. And I'm sure that they're going to find out things as you go. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> what it's like for any client is they find out things as you go. It starts with the workload. But even if you look at what you're using, even the workloads, so I'll give you the example of one of the clients we've worked with. It was around VPN and what they were doing from a VDI standpoint. They actually had a certain amount of it on, on public cloud, but they needed to be able to control the cost as well as have buffer capacity. So they actually put in an as-a-service model on-prem and then a load balancer that allowed them to manage what they were using for the public cloud and what they were using on-prem with, with a private cloud and do it for the same workload. And HPC is another great example of that. If you've got a high-performance compute environment, it uses up all the, the capacity on those boxes. So how do you then allow for buffer, but only buffer in, in the circumstances to manage the peak workload rather than having to put on place, on-prem, everything. 
you can use the public cloud for that buffer capacity for just handling that peak workloads rather than having to, to buy all the equipment that you would need to manage peak as well as the study workload. Yeah, I know. That's the like, original promise of the burst, like cloud bursting, which you know sounded like really great in theory in the beginning, but was very hard to execute and also very hard to control. But in this case, you're, you're seeing like a very thoughtful and very methodical approach at creating something that's not just like, hey, let's just buy the base and rent the spike. You're seeing companies now being able to execute that in ways that that only have been promised before, um, while having cost being you know cost efficient. Because ultimately, too, you might be asked to say, "Hey, look, let's wait for this ten-year data center lease to wrap before we do anything." You now have to sell a story of why that may be actually putting too much risk into your IT capabilities. And where are you seeing people finding success in telling that story and convincing? Here's the reasons why we need to ensure that we have resiliency before that 10-year lease comes out, or let's use that 10 years to create maybe an accelerated phased approach like you're talking about this one you know, customer example, so that we can then, by the time the 10-year lease is up, we're already off. And then that becomes our differentiator, and that becomes the capabilities that we need to do faster time to market, all that stuff. How do you feel like IT leaders can sell that? to the key stakeholders who need to be able to help them, you know, make that change happen. Or maybe macro forces are starting to, to influence boards and executive staff so that they're starting to see it, you know, coming from outside rather than, you know, needing more nudging from the inside. Again, another good question. I mean, the CIOs, they know how to build the business case and they know this environment. I think part of this is with the CIO, they've been looking at this problem for some time. The good news is they're putting themselves more in the forefront of taking control of the problem. There for a little while, it was every C-level exec said, oh, we're going to move everything to public cloud. Those days, I think, are past. I don't hear that anymore. And that's the right part because these folks know how to go look at these um, business cases. They wouldn't be in the position that, that they were in if they didn't know how to go evaluate. But if you look at what needs to respond, again, it can be all right, what are going to be the biggest revenue generators that we need to invest in? Are they cloud ready? Do they Are they going to perform well in the cloud? Again, looking at it, you know, I keep on saying workload level, but I think it is whenever you're doing a risk, cost, and time evaluation, looking at those workloads, there's some applications that are going to take longer time to get cloud ready, to fully leverage what's available in the cloud. And then everybody's looking at growth. Everybody's growing. Data's growing. Your application needs are growing. You've got that opportunity to look at those biggest growth drivers, and maybe that's the low-lying fruit um, that they find, is what are those biggest growth drivers, and how do I need to manage that? And if it's, hey, I want to keep my data close because it's all about data protection and we have you know, different requirements that allow a certain amount of our data or even all of our data to be within our control, all right, then you look at some of your applications, where they should be for the future. Should they be moved to public cloud? Do you just want to move to a, some sort of consumption model um, to be able to leverage it? Because nobody's looking at, hey, I've got less IT needs today than I had, you know, five years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not on people's <laughs> minds. That's not their problem. Right. I have right, fewer exactly. things that IT is needed for. Let me add, why don't we yes. take this quarter off from any transformation efforts? Let's just kind of cruise yes. for a while. No, yes. that's not The only that's not thing that they operation. might have less of, though, is skills. 
So that's kind of probably the last part of it is they may not have the skills yes. that they used to. So that part they may have less of. That is critical. And that's, you know, I was in, um, in our two marquee events actually in San Francisco and Barcelona last year, sitting out with CIOs from different parts of, you know, North America, Europe, CIOs who were just looking at the persistent issue of skills and skills gap. And it's something that's been talked about for a while, but it's tough when you're trying to move an issue forward and you just don't have the specific skill set that you need in order to be able to not just day zero or day one, but like, hey, day 365, you know, and then year two and year three to be able to make sure that because it's not just deploying it. It's great professional services team or, you know, the VAR comes in, you get the deployment done, it works great. But then how do you maintain it or when you make a change? How do you shift it? How do you adjust? How do you connect things? And this, I'm glad you brought that up because that skills piece is persistent. It seems to be getting worse. Are you seeing that? Yeah, yeah, I am. I think it's just a natural evolution of things. As long as I've been in the IT industry, and we won't say how many decades that's been, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's it's been a little while. That I won't give you my history a, either. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> long enough. That's how long I've been in. We won't talk about my first job in IT because that would date me. But if you look at the skill requirements, that's not a new thing. That, that's that been over the entire time that, that I've been in IT. And that may be where, you know, where a public cloud environment, where a managed service, you're looking at all of these companies that are looking at providing more of a managed service offering to clients as a choice, um, VMware included, what they announced in Barcelona. What do I need to spend my time as far as investing in skills? and training of my people. What can I get off their back? So whether it be a public cloud, whether it be more of a managed service hosted by somebody else or hosted on-prem and as a service model like TrueScale with Lenovo, that's something that, that there's, again, more and more options out there with what's happening in the as-a-service market. It's a very crowded space, but I think that's really good for clients because it's providing them choice. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the the way that Lenovo's approach to digital resiliency in the cloud has set that apart from sort of other providers. What's your, your unique approach to digital resiliency? And how did you come about to create that approach based on some of the things you were just talking about, Dale, the way that executives and IT leaders and companies need to be able to have that kind of resiliency and give a sense of like how that approach and that strategy came about and how it's different than, than others do it? I'm glad that you asked that, that question. If you look at how Lenovo is approaching it, one is, is that we're not going to a client with a preconceived notion about what the answer is because of what we have available. I like that. Solutions approach or customer approach rather than product first approach. Right. Lenovo, from an ISG standpoint, has a very significant business with the CSPs. It does as well for clients to move to hyperscalers because of what we've been able to build as a platform for the CSPs. We also resell from a CSP standpoint. And then we have you know, TrueScale from an as-a-service standpoint, which we can do not only on the infrastructure side, but we do on the device side as well. So it's not just about hybrid cloud, it's also about digital workforce solutions. And we can provide that you know, device to infrastructure as far as if you look at our as-a-service platform. And then frankly, while as a service will grow, it will grow faster than traditional IT, we also have a really good business in traditional IT. It is about providing choice 
And then it's about partnering with the industry leaders, VMware, Veeam, SAP, having relevance with what we're doing with industry providers. And rather than saying, okay, well, you know, if you want to go do this, then you need to include this software or this. No, it's about providing with the client choice. One thing you mentioned too, I want to pull on, on that thread. And let me know if this is your takeaway. So you're saying seeing that managed service model growing, are you seeing that customers are going to look at these key things, whether it's resiliency, whether it's DR, whether it's whatever it is, those are not my differentiators in my market. You know, I'm a functional services or I'm retail or I'm healthcare. And my IT team is not going to differentiate us in the market by having this these better services. And they're shifting more and more to other providers who can provide them with that service and manage that service and host that service for them and be able to give that but at the same time, you're saying there's key pieces, depending on your, you know, whether you're public sector, private sector, healthcare, retail, financial, there's different things that you want, like whether it's your data or your patient data or your customer data. But are you going to be seeing, you feel like you're seeing more of that heavy lift IT infrastructure going to others to manage rather than managing that internally? Is that the trend that you're seeing? Um, from a managed standpoint, I think that clients are, are looking to fill in at least that low level skill. Mm-hmm. gap that they have. Let's say that they moved to public cloud and they did away with a lot of their IT staff, but then they found out the public cloud wasn't the right place for some of the workloads that they put on it. And so they want to bring some of them back. Okay. How do I bring them back? Well, I've got a skill gap to fill. I've got to go rehire. I've got to have somebody to manage it for me. Maybe I've still got that five, 10 year lease on that data center to leverage, or do I just let somebody host it for me? I go back to I don't think that there's going to be a one size kind of fits all. I think it is about providing, you know, choice. It's going to be about providing flexibility and it's going to be about helping clients fill those skill gaps when they identify that they just need to focus on more higher value things. Yeah, that makes sense. And and one thing you mentioned too, that really fascinates me. There's that crossroads like repatriation, like something has gone to cloud, you realize it's not the right place for the workload. Like now there's a fork in the road and you're like, okay, we're going to have to repatriate that workload. We're obviously not going to do it the way that we did it before. We need a service provided. We need that service, a cloud provided a service or provided a, a specific you know, application or it supported a workload. We need to do the same thing, but we needed to do it in a different way, not on cloud. That doesn't mean, oh, it's got to come in our data center. And they also, they still want to treat it like a cloud they're like, I still want that consumption model of I'm going to consume this through an API or I'm going to have this workload, you know, be hosted somewhere and then be connected in different ways. But I'm going to do it not in the cloud, but I'm also maybe not going to do it on my mainframe like I did before. It'd be some virtualized environment or some managed environment. Like you said, it's choice. But are you still seeing the desire then to still want to treat it in the same way and have the same functionality and same operational models they did when it was in the cloud? but they just need it somewhere else besides the cloud. Are you seeing that? Or are there different avenues? There's going to be something else, right? Going to the cloud has changed the way that we operate and we want to operate in a similar way, but we just want it to be not in a hyperscaler, for example. I think I saw a study recently that almost three-fourths of the respondents said that they would be looking at repatriation this year for something. So if you look at that, a lot of the time it is cost. It's not because it's less agile. It's very agile. It's not because, you know, a feature and function, it tends to be cost. But whenever they bring it back, do they have the IT staff to support it? Do they have the floor space 
to support it. And if they're moving something back due to cost, or actually the second reason would be around data, data protection, what's going to be the cost-effective way for me to do this? How do I now maximize my savings if that's the reason why they're moving off of it within the existing environment that I have? Yeah. And then there's that, like you said, it's not for lack of capability. The resiliency, for example, you know, since we're talking about this theme and the scalability are there and they're fantastic. And that's one of the reasons why the cost is an issue is because you can scale it as much as you want. And they want to maintain that resiliency and the scalability, but they want to be able to do that, operate in some ways like uh, not exactly like the hyperscaler because they can't because they're not a hyperscaler, but they want to manage it in a way where they have those elements that meet other needs but they want to not do it, you know, in that cloud piece too. And where are you seeing the companies finding ways in which to still maintain resiliency without depending on the capabilities of that hyperscaler? Again, I think it's where they can leverage the best of both worlds. There was a a Forrester study last year that said 71% of CIOs are looking at hybrid cloud. I think there's a good reason for that. They want to leverage the best of both. Where can they get the most benefit out of public cloud? And when can they get the most benefit of keeping something on-prem? DevOps may be something that just makes sense to, you know, to be able to use public cloud for. Developing in a cloud-native way helps set clients up for the future. But where can they get the best of both worlds, as well as the security that they need at the right cost point? Oh, yeah, security. That's always top of mind. I think CIOs might be thinking <laughs> about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what you mean by data protection, but but it's better to just ca- come out and call it what it is. It, it is security. Yeah, especially as you look at Europe and other places where everybody's looking at, you know, the public cloud providers as a service providers, others are looking at data sovereignty and how do you address the data sovereignty issue. So, Dale, there's a couple of big things I want to sort of have as key takeaways. We're sort of capping off this resiliency conversation to it. And you mentioned DevOps and That begs the question, when people are looking at shifting from, let's say, cloud-first to cloud-ready or multi-cloud, are you seeing customers and the people that you're talking to and the organizations that you have exposure to, are you saying they want to maintain a consistent operational model across all these different environments? So it's not like, okay, we've got the on-prem team, we've got the cloud team, we've got these different teams. Do you see them moving towards, let's have a consistent operating model across the different environments, whether it's a hyperscaler, whether it's internal, it's a virtualized environment, it's a private cloud, whatever you want to call it. How are you seeing them connecting these different environments? So the data and the applications, the workloads, the databases talk to each other. There's consistent deployment models, there's consistent security policies, all those pieces, the holy grail. So this is the holy grail secret sauce thing. You know, are you seeing them wanting, like really trying to move towards that consistent operational model and also to have the consistent control plane across the various environments? So I think those are two, actually two different answers. From a management standpoint, yes. If you're going to look at an operating model that leverages public cloud, private cloud, organizations are going to have to invest in management platforms that can help them unify that experience because clients are looking for that unified experience. They want it just behind the scenes as far as where the workload is or where the data is. Then it goes to the consistency of, again, I'll date myself a little bit further, but at one point I was in storage and you looked at the tiers of storage based upon your requirements. 
the access that you needed to it, you know, your governance model that you needed, how long you needed it, you know, whether you needed it online, offline, everything else becomes, yes, you need to have a governance model. This is not something new for CIOs. There may be a tiered approach to that governance model based upon what type of application it is, what type of data it is, as far as how you need to treat it. Now, that means that you've got to have some kind of consistent governance but maybe it's, all right, if it meets these three requirements, I, you know, do one thing with it. If it only needs one of those requirements, then I can do something else with it. It provides, you know, clients the, the ability to, based upon the workloads, the data classification, what is going to be the cost-effective solution that also helps them meet their business needs, meet the needs of, hey, we've got to be ready to, you know, deploy apps in weeks rather than years. Yes, which has become the other requirement that's put upon them too. And so governance is, is really critical and it's tough because it's a little boring and it's a little tedious, but ultimately for us from long-term, it's incredibly important. But from, let's say, an operational or, or technology perspective, where are you seeing some of the challenges of companies who are saying, I like this choice, I want to be able to have this in a managed, this in a hyperscaler, this in a, you know, an on-premises environment. How do I consistently manage across all this? And like you said, I just want to be able to have one view. But I want a consistent operation or a consistent control plane. Does it exist? D does it exist? <laughs> I haven't found one yet. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, it doesn't. There's no, there's no single pain. Pain, pain, yes. And how do I then create something where I can have that, that consistent deployment experience so I can then take a governance model and be declarative of, yes, okay, now I'm going to treat this data this way. I'm going to treat this workload that way. And I can do that consistently. But it seems like the desire is there to really push towards that consistent operational model. Are you seeing companies that are finding success, sort of whether that's cross-cloud or on-prem, cross-hybrid, and where they're, hey, we're cobbling together with APIs, but now we're moving to a consistent operational model. Are you seeing success in that second category? I think so. Clients are definitely getting a lot more savvy whenever it comes to, to deploying cloud. You're right. It is not a destination. It's really a way of enabling IT for them. So if you look at multi-cloud management and investing in the management tools. Some clients understand they just want the flexibility that, all right, I may want to move this off of public cloud today, but I may want to move it back to public cloud a year or two from yes. now. Yes, yes. Or more pieces of it back. And you may not know, it's maybe an experiment. you be like, okay, I'm going to repatriate, but if it doesn't work out, I want an easy way back. Right, right. Yeah, it, it goes back to that resiliency of being able to plan for the future not just today. Yes, I like that. So I think that that's a really a core element of, I'm not assuming whenever I go talk to a client that their workloads may have certain characteristics today, but you can't assume that those are gonna be the same characteristics two, three years from now. It's, it's just difficult to plan. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. At that point, Dale, I think we've, you know, I, I could go more, but I think we've reached that the point in the conversation where, where we need to put a bow on it. And I really think there's a lot of really good takeaways from an operational um, and technology standpoint that show how organizations are yes, struggling with this, but there's also some key trends and decisions that a lot of organizations are starting to move towards based on the new capabilities that are available, but also the experience that, that everyone's collectively have. There's been certain stresses on the system and we've come out of it on the other side and seen that there are different ways to do things 
or different things are possible. Um, and I think you've illuminated those. So I really appreciate that. So Dale, give a sense to where can people find out more about what you're doing or where you're going to be or be able to connect with you online or in the real world or in the virtual world? Uh, where can people find you? You know, first off, you want to learn more about Lenovo TrueScale, please reach out to, to our website. Um, and TrueScale is T-R-U-S-C-A-L-E. <laughs> we took an E out because to make it fancy. Yes, yeah, so we yes. have to make it fancy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I kind of like it. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> um, it's, yes, it is. As far as me, um, I'm on LinkedIn. As far as uh, speaking coming up, we happen to be closing out our fiscal year and um, embarking on on our next you know fiscal year. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time the next couple of months at sales kickoffs. Um, yes. planning for sales kickoffs. I will be at you know various industry events, including some for VMware. I'll probably be around at SAP Sapphire again this year. So you can find me in those places and, and wherever my marketing and our comms team want to send me. Typically <laughs> Excellent. Where I go. <laughs> you'll, be on, you'll be on the road trip. Uh, well, Dale, I really appreciate you joining the CIO Exchange podcast. Well, I appreciate your time as well, Yadim. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for listening to this latest episode. Please consider subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more insights from technology leaders, as well as global research on key topics, visit vmware.com slash CIO.